no one gives a shit that one time at 11.33 p.m. in Santa Monica, I made great art. And I wrestle with that daily. Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, a podcast where you get to listen in on some of my most interesting and personal conversations. I'm Sarah Samuel, and today we're talking about improvisational theater. I said we're talking about improv, but what we're really talking about is desire and creation and who we are in the world. This conversation is with none other than the wonderful, the beautiful, the infamous Chris Alvarado, actor, teacher, improviser, and friend. I was so excited to talk to Chris because he is passionate and because he, like me, is a grappler. He grapples with life, with his experience, with his circumstances, with his thoughts and internal impulses. When I think of him, I think of someone screaming at the top of a mountain for truth. Or maybe I'm just thinking of when he coached our rehearsal and begged us from the floor of my teammate's living room to be more honest in our scene work. He is one of my favorite kinds of people, one who both lives in and laughs at their ego, which makes him hilarious and honest and relatable. This conversation goes a number of places. I invited him on the podcast to talk about improv after he subcoached my improv team and shook us up in the best way. He is so passionate about improv, and it's one of my deepest joys to speak with people who are passionate about things, about the things that they're passionate about. But we also talk about beauty and we also talk about success. It's a great conversation that I feel only skims the surface. So we can kind of just like start, but I'm curious, I'm interested in this conversation, even though it wasn't yeah, what yeah. I came in wanting to talk about. So, I mean, so I dressed crazy. You saw, you've seen the pictures a lot yeah. of people have. Everyone laughs and stuff. But I've also heard other people go, oh, why used to dress like that? Like, oh, that was embarrassing. I was, it was never embarrassing for me. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> it's... At the time and now? Yeah. But I feel like you show it with, like, a funny, like, ha look at this. Because I kind of know what they're all thinking. Okay. But I look at those with pride. Oh. Legitimately. That's insane to dress that way. Yeah, it is. And also, like I said, though, no, I, was, I wasn't getting any attention from girls. Yeah. All through high school. I didn't lose my virginity until college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, that's a long time and all your friends are like, yeah, this chick. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, well, I could just be crazy, kind of. <laughs> And I got attention that way. Oh, you know? okay. So it was kind of like a another ploy for attention. Yeah. Like, I get, you weren't getting it the classical way. Sure, I was. By any means, <laughs> I wasn't getting it the classical way. I mean, it, that wasn't like the impetus to start that. Yeah. I was in the rave scene and a breakdancer. Okay. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. then I did like, so like, I wasn't going to get the girls or their attention based on my chubby, weird body. Like, mm-hmm. but... They thought my things were funny and cool or they wanted to touch my ne- necklaces that I made with beads, you know. Yeah. Even some of my friends now are married to girls that we knew in high school. Yeah. And they would they would always tell me and still tell me like, oh, you were our favorite. Like, because I was like the funny one, you know. Mm-hmm. But then I always tell them, that doesn't help me. Yeah. I was your favorite. Why didn't any of you kiss me then? <laughs> cool. I was your favorite. I was your favorite jester. You know? Yeah. So then I look this way now. Yeah. I grew, like I stretch after high school and it was interesting to get attention from mm-hmm. women after spending, not anymore because I'm 40, but after spending the majority of my life getting no attention from women to like all of a sudden one day it changed. I was like, whoa, 
How did you like handle that? Were you just like, okay, I'm in? Or were you like... Well, I think I did a... In a... I did a bad job of it, but in a good way. Meaning, because I had spent all those years being chubby, funny guy. Yeah. I wasn't like... I didn't... I wasn't like a cool playboy. You yeah. know what I mean? I was still like that guy. My sister, when she was a kid, she was like 11. She wrote like a poem about me. And it was like, like handsome guy with a fat kid attitude or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> about how like I was still so sweet and funny to people or with people because like that was who I was yeah. the majority of my life. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Looks are definitely like an interesting thing. I, th I think I can talk about it a lot, mostly because I feel like, well, I don't know. I, I feel like got, girls and guys are different, but even among girls, like I feel like with guys, I'm less, I less care about their looks. Like I tend uh, to like be very influenced by personality. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it doesn't really, like I can tell someone is like kind of objectively sure. good looking, sure. but that won't like make me attracted to them. Like yeah, I feel yeah. like the attraction itself comes from getting to know them and like yeah, seeing what yeah. their personality is. And but then, sometimes I wonder that. So sometimes throughout my life, like I'll will have been on a team with some girls or whatever and like they'll like make it known that they find me attractive but then i go is this because i'm objectively attractive or because you know me because yeah. like you know i'm a nice person or i'm sweet yeah you, and like i've always wondered that like i still don't have a gauge that like i would be considered objectively attractive yeah. i think like i don't know that sounds so weird to say but it's just <laughs> whatever it's just true like, I know that I'm not hideous, but I think I'm better looking if you know me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's true. I love that. Well, I was just about to say, I think that you would be considered objectively good looking, but I guess I can't really say because I know you and also yeah. all the people that I know who I think would say that know you. So right, I guess they don't right. have a good... And then also I'm in this industry, right? Yeah. Where like I audition against men who are objectively attractive and they are objectively attractive i'm like oh no i'm not i shouldn't be in this room these people are actually attractive i'm just like i'm okay hmm. i mean and then do you feel okay this is something this is maybe getting a little bit vulnerable but so i've been having a weird thing recently i don't know if it's really recent but i feel like i always think this is I feel really weird saying this, but I always feel, not always, but like very ugly. Like there's mm. part of me that I always just like in my everyday kind of like walking around, I think of myself, there's like an ugliness that I feel like I, I'm like, just have, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know. But then, so the other day I had this like interesting experience where I was like, for some reason, just kind of randomly, I got super depressed. I was like really, really down. And I just felt this kind of like ugliness part of me like yeah. really come up and I felt really like tuned to that and I was like kind of crying and I for some reason just sat in front of my mirror and I was like looking at myself and I was like but I see a pretty person like in the mirror yeah. I was like a lipstick on like I had just come from a concert I wasn't like dolled up but I was like yeah cute and like yeah. looking fairly like my best you yeah. know or, or sort of similar to it I wasn't like just out of bed and whatever but I, it was, like, such a weird thing to, like, look at myself in the mirror and be, like, I see someone that I would think is pretty, <laughs> but I feel ugly. How is this, like, yeah. matching? Or did, like, did that... It was really odd. Was there a an injection of, like, feeling better then? When you saw when you saw the pretty girl in the reflection, you're like, that girl's pretty. Yeah. Where, did that make you feel a little better? 
I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like there is, like, an element where I'm like, okay, well, if I can just be pretty, then at least I'll have this kind of, like, baseline thing where, like, people will yes. like me or feel positively yes. toward me. Yes, yes. Isn't that interesting? But then I'm like, but if they get too close, then they might see how ugly I really am and gotcha. the facade will be gone. Yeah, so yeah, it's, like, yeah. an interesting... Yeah. That's awful. That's awful. That's awful. And, and, and I'm sure... <laughs> Pretty common. Pretty common. I, I mean, so. my thing is sometimes I'll be walking into a situation, a meeting, an audition. This is, we're getting vulnerable. And then I'll, I don't feel great about myself. And then I'll tell myself, yeah, but people in your life tell you that you're attractive. Yeah. yeah. So then I go like, okay, I'm going to pretend that I'm the person that people in my life have told me that I am. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I'm not feeling it. Yeah. But I just like pretend. I'm like, okay, well... People in my life have said that, so I'm gonna, uh, you know, raise my head a little bit higher and walk in like I'm that person, but I'm just yeah. faking the funk. I'm just mm -hmm. pretending. Does it work? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess it gets me through those meetings or something yeah. like that, like a kind of this like false projection of of positivity <laughs> or feeling good with myself. You know. Yeah. I also find this has been new for me. I'm jealous of everybody. Of everybody. I'm jealous of the weird dude with the afro and like the chubby dude or the extra skinny guy or the buff guy. As soon as I... Just guys? Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, well, I guess sometimes I'll see a girl in like a cool outfit and I'll think, oh, I wish... <laughs> that looks cool. I yeah. like fashion and like so you're not identifying with women not, in the same way like no i'm not right. and it's funny because like i'll be at an audition or in my car getting out and i'll see you know a more character looking dude maybe a little more gangly or chubbier in glasses and i'm like oh see he's got something <laughs> you know he's got a thing and that's bookable because i've spent mm -hmm. a lot of my life trying to be bookable mm -hmm. and i don't book so it's 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 weird it's weird i'm like if i could be seven degrees better looking or seven degrees more unattractive that I consider, yeah. somewhere in there would be a sweet bookable spot, which is a terrible way to go through life, right? <laughs> Thinking about how the, in, um, that's the industry, right? It's right. just like trying to figure out like, what would be my thing? Yeah. So then do you feel like a lot of the way that you think about yourself and like kind of what we're talking about, it does have to do with like whether or not you're getting booked for jobs. Like it's so tight. Like that's also a very unique thing. It's yes. like to have your looks and your, the way you carry yourself and your whole outfit and whatever be attached to your work. I, th I think I'm getting better at it because, because I don't book as much mm -hmm. as I'd like to. So, and I've gotten older. Those two things simultaneously okay. have made me turn inward and do mm -hmm. that work. Mm -hmm. Because before I would base my happiness on these bookings. And then if I wasn't booking, then I wasn't happy. And then I realized that's not a way to live. Right. Very easy to say. I still struggle with it. But like for the most part, I take that power back. But I just had a, I was just in New York for four months. I came back. I had a meeting with my manager and I'm like overly caffeinated, standing up in her office, like screaming, like, who am I? You know? So yeah. like that is, that is always in my head. I just did an audition the other day where I was thinking, I think like, oh, they can tell like. I was auditioning for a nice guy. And I was like, they could probably tell in my eyes that I'm like a bad boy or something to that effect. I know it's ridiculous, but like I f I'm always, I'm always, what's the word? Like 
just, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it is difficult. And, and I look at the industry a lot, but like I said, okay, here's another thing. I'm going off now. Okay. I did have, I did just have a, a Coke Zero, so I'm pretty <laughs> jacked. Um, I completely forgot. <laughs> I was about to go on a whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. You'll remember. Oh, it's this. It's this. It's this. That there are those days or months where you're like just doing the work, right? Like the inner work mm -hmm. and whatever that means to you. But you're starting to feel good from the inside out, right? But then I feel there's this little thing in the back of my head that's like, yeah, but if the right job came around and the right opportunity and money, you could just throw us all away. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm like... It's almost like a loser's mentality. It's not. It's not. But I'm just like kind of framing stuff. Yeah. It's almost like a loser's mentality to have to like do that work, which I know that, I know it is not I that. Yeah, I know yeah. that in real life it's not. But there's a part of me that's like, well, I wouldn't have to be going through this if I had my Tesla and my mansion and I was on that show. Do you know? Yeah. That's like, and I don't like admitting that about myself, but that's just like more. That's an interesting, I, yeah, that's interesting. I've never really thought, I feel like the, the framing of it that I hear most often probably is like, well, if I was really good at doing this inner work, it was result in these like outer manifestations. I've heard that as well, but that's just, But is that, <laughs> I, that may be true for some people that may be true. So I'm sure there's a correlation between people like doing the inner work, yeah. but I also, I often wonder this too. Really? Does that <laughs> fucking read when I'm in the audition for seven lines? Mm -hmm. Does all the meditation is all <laughs> the work. Is that really? They, they can smell it on me that much. People are like, they can smell desperation. I'm like, bitch, not for 90 seconds they can't. I walk in and go, hey, how are you? Hey, nice to meet you. Great, here we go. And I do my lines. Thank you. <laughs> like, no way. No way. And I also say this. Why can't I be doing all this work on myself in my Tesla? I use a Tesla as a, yeah. you know, as an idea. Like, why does it have to be this way? I have to be poor and do it? Why can't I be rich and do it? Like, oh. Sarah, come to my mansion and we'll do this podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's interesting if you have like a framing of like, well, if I had all the things that I want that I wouldn't do it. Like if you just think of, like I always think like, what am I learning? What are my like unique sort of, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I second guess myself all the time with my like inner work that I do. <laughs> but like, I always think like if I'm, I have these kind of like things that I am learning about myself that have I've sort of been uniquely set up to learn by like my life circumstances, mm -hmm. including like, like financial things I was born into, opportunities I was born into, but also like whatever my personality is and like whatever my desires are and whatever my tendencies, you know, yeah. toward whatever are like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I think about that a lot too, because I come from a crazy background, you know, a little bit of it, just like, you know, drugs, alcohol in, in the house and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I always wonder like, who would I have been had I been born into a different family? Sounds very like that sounds too extreme. <laughs> different I like my I like yeah. where I'm where where I am. I do, and I like where I'm from. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It would be different. I was at a wedding just last night, sitting at a table with some people who work in the industry, um, in like the writing aspect and producing aspect, mm -hmm. and they all went to this really good school. And yeah. uh, and I was just looking at them a little bit. And that's one of my like bad, poor, bad, worst qualities of myself is like, I do have this like, kind of like class judgment or like, I go like, oh, I wish I 
where would I be if I had the opportunities you had? But I mean, but then they have their own stuff and yeah, that's the it's... thing. It's like you never really know what everyone is like. I know. Like someone who was handed everything or someone who just had the best. I don't. Well, it's hard because, uh, like. Well, what is the that's best? an extreme? Or like, well, your childhood maybe is like extreme in one direction. Yeah. But then, how many people have lots of like resources and opportunities, but also like aren't crazy? Also, like yeah. it's hard to have. Find sometimes I meet people and they just like have the best relationship with their parents and they just seem to have no <laughs> sort of like trauma yeah, from their yeah, childhood or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, wow, that's incredible. It seems very rare. Yeah. <laughs> like to just be like, oh, my family just like loved me and we all had good boundaries. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, that probably is rare. I mean, I also like wear a lot of my trauma as a badge of pride, yeah. you know, but sometimes I wonder, like, does that limit me? Like, does that keep me from... Do the, is that what's keeping me from getting on the guest list to go into that velvet rope into the into the what I would consider the successful circle? Mm-hmm. You know, where like even if I was on a show tomorrow that ran for a few seasons, that doesn't that that velvet rope doesn't open yet. That's like there's some like legacy stuff there sometimes, right. you right. know. And I mean, I think my father's highest education was like second grade. Mm-hmm. You know, he's from Honduras, the jungles and stuff like that. And so it's kind of like. And then I hear some of my other friends whose, like, grandfather went to Harvard and then the mom, you know what I mean? It's like, wow. Like, no matter what, even if I had that Tesla we keep talking, I keep talking about, <laughs> I'm not over there. But also, maybe I don't belong there. I yeah, maybe know. you wouldn't even like it. Maybe I wouldn't like it. Or maybe I like it too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it's like, what does it mean to you? What does it, like, represent? Because obviously not everyone, like, wants that. It's not... There, there's not some kind of like inherent betterness or like goodness of that that is like so desirable to like every single person. It's like specific. Wouldn't to you, you say the majority of people want things? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I would say the majority of people want things. <laughs> I mean, but not not necessarily. Like you, you. I feel like I'm sort of. I feel like my desires like change. We were kind of talking earlier about like what would my 16 year old self yeah. want from, and I think my 16 year old self wanted that. I think my 16 year old self like wanted to be famous and like wanted uh-huh. this kind of like glamour and all uh-huh. these things. But the older that I get, and it's hard because I, I think, well, is it just because I'm sort of failing at the life <laughs> that I thought I wanted that I'm like, I'll do something else? Yeah, 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 yeah. But like the younger part of me never knew, for example, like, I lived in, like, Orange County, California. I thought, like, cities were everything. And now I'm, like, so drawn to, like, rural environments Mm. and, like, farming. And, like, I don't know that I'll want to do that forever, but it's something I want to, like, experience. It wasn't on my radar at all. You know, now I'm I'm kind of like, oh, I want to, like, put my feet in dirt. Yeah, sure, sure. That wasn't what I was thinking of. Yeah. Before. That's, like, something I grew to kind of be like, oh, I like this. I just never knew about it. So I think, yeah, I don't think everyone wants... I don't think everyone wants what you want. Well, it's okay. That that may be true. <laughs> it just so everyone happens that I, I, don't, <laughs> I know I live in a city in Los Angeles where it seems to be, yeah. it's a rat race okay. to see who can accumulate more, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I mean, maybe like you, maybe because, <laughs> like you, I've also failed at being <laughs> what I wanted to be when I grew up, mm-hmm. but like that has changed for me. Yeah. Like I, 
ultimately, like, I don't really, I don't really care about that. Honestly, in my soul, in my gut, I don't yeah. care about that stuff. There is a little gnawing though that wonders like, do I not care because I wasn't able to attain it? Yeah. Or have my have my values changed? Mm-hmm. You know. I and I think know. you're in like a an interesting position too with like having had past relationships of people who, For and sure. I guess that just also just happens if you're like in LA, you're bound to be with a famous person. Well, but you could also just be with a struggling person. Yeah. You know, true. I mean, my ex-wife is, is pretty popular. Like you're referring to, but so is my current girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, she's, she works a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been that, but that's night and day the, who I am. Yeah. In my previous relationship as, as opposed to who I am now. I'm very thankful for that, that I have a, a groundedness to me, like a steadfastness to me where like my girlfriend's success really only brings me joy. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so do my ex-wives, but like there, there was a tipping point where like I felt like I was getting zero things. Right. And she was getting all the things. And I, yeah. I had this, this anger and this angst inside of me, not towards her, just towards like everything. Yeah. And I don't feel that way today. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. I'm so thankful. That was such a shitty way to live. <laughs> yeah. That's awful. I think it's really, I'm so fascinated by just, I think what, yeah, like what people desire, what people want, what people, yeah. what you think you want. I don't know. I just had a conversation with Lindsay too about like what she thought she wanted to be like a writer and like make this huge difference in the world. And then she like started working at rehabs and like loved that more than anything. Yeah. And that's not like a glamorous, yeah. like, job in the entertainment industry but yeah. it's like what she truly like loved um yeah I, I love those stories but I also get jealous of those because I where's mine <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean totally. like and then I became a truck driver and I loved it <laughs> no it's still the same goal for the most part yeah and me just climbing and climbing and climbing yeah meanwhile though you're a fabulous improviser <laughs> I'm a pretty good improviser it's the only it's the only thing I know how to do, yeah. <laughs> which is like unfortunate. <laughs> like if I would have spent that time learning any other skill, I probably would be a different person and have a better life. And I don't know about better life. I don't know. I think you're underestimating improv. I think I've, I think I, that's a really good sentence under any <laughs> underestimating improv. I go through cycle, not cycles. What's the word? Like ups and downs yeah. with how I feel feel about improvisation and right now I'm in a weird place with it so can we talk about it <laughs> do you want to yeah okay I mean you don't have to say anything you don't want to say no of say. course I don't know I don't know can I say what my experience was in our rehearsal that we had last week yes <laughs> okay so you came in yeah and you said long form improv said <laughs> yeah 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 you said this Art form will never make anyone any money, which I actually was reflecting on later. And I thought, oh, that's like an interesting, I didn't even question that at the time, but to think, oh, this is no value unless it's able to make a lot of Mm. like income is like an interesting, um, it's something that I've been personally just trying to question. Yes. Yes. I understand. Um, but there's kind of like this sense of resignation. (laughs) Then you proceed to become the most passionate I've ever seen anyone. You're like on the ground. You're like yelling. You're like right in in the scene with us. (laughs) Like with so much passion about improv that just, you know, as I'm also going through a funk with improv, I think I'm like more often in a funk with it than not. Mm. But I think that kind of made me be like, oh, 
I was like kind of bummed about it because I was like ready to be like, I'm over it. I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you came in and like talked about it with your perspective. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's like why I like it. So to that, I don't <laughs> think long form is dead fully. <laughs> I was just I had just spent four months in New York doing an off Broadway show where we did improv, some improv elements to the show. And the lowest common denominator was killing constantly. Mm-hmm. So it made me kind of second guess all the work I've been doing, right? Like all this, all this work. I mean, I've been doing it for over 20 years now. And like up until recently, I was still rehearsing regularly with my team, you know? Mm-hmm. And it felt almost like it was all for naught when you have an audience of people laughing at the most, the stupidest stuff. But how I feel about improvisation and performing is different than how I feel about teaching it. I've, this is, I don't know if this sounds like it's an ego thing, but I've never heard myself speak so eloquently and articulately about any other subject in the history of my life. Mm -hmm. And I stumbled upon that. I didn't always talk about improv that way. It's like I started teaching and then found things that worked for me or whatever. And next thing I knew, I was like this like beautiful minding it. I would get in, not only inside of a scene, inside of a character, inside of a sentence, inside of a word, and I could live in that word and then look all around it. I, I love that space. How, nowhere else in my life do I get to do that or feel that is what I should say. Because even when I do book a thing or I have my little television thing, that always, that's never what it's, what I think that's gonna be. It's always, uh, it doesn't meet my expectations. But when I'm teaching, or coaching, two specific people, by the way, you guys are a really good group. So I, you'll, you understand my language. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to go there with you guys that, I mean, I feel like I'm levitating sometimes, like actually off the ground. And that's a, I didn't know I had that. I came, I just, it came to me and I'm really <laughs> thankful for that. I, I just hope like, but I wish, because I always have, I have such low self-worth. I wish that like, I could do that, but with like ending homelessness or <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, cool. I know everything there is to know about playing make-believe. <laughs> and I know, I know that's simplifying it. And I know there's more to it than that, but sometimes it does feel like that. Mm-hmm. But in some ways I'm like, but isn't that kind of like literally everything? <laughs> like for me, like I think what got me really into improv was because I never wanted to be a performer necessarily. I mean, I did like, a bit of acting and stuff when I was a kid. And so being on stage and, and being doing theater was, is not completely like foreign to me. Sure. Um, but it wasn't really like anything I was ever pursuing. And when I got into it, I really loved it. Cause I was like, Oh, like in order to be a good improviser, you have to be able to like be free of judgments. You have to be able to be free of your expectations. You have to like be flexible. You have to like not, have you know be able to follow your impulses and like there's so much freedom in that that I was like that that's how I want to live my entire life sure (laughs) um and I I, that seems very valuable well those (laughs) qualities are that you just said are valuable right what ends up happening though is that then you spend a decade in pursuit of those Mm. qualities all the things you just said, that's not the way you, you perform. I have a show tonight. I probably will judge myself. Yeah. I probably will second guess myself. Mm-hmm. Like the qualities into themselves are beautiful. Right. Right. Going with your instinct, uh, being free. 
it's pretty rare in my shows that I'm that you actually free. feel that way. Yeah, occasionally. But I it looks that way from the outside. That's because right? I'm just a hard worker. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm like a laborer of improv. I'm not I'm not I don't have the highest IQ. I don't have great wit about me. I don't even have a large vocabulary. But I can do the work. So I've fell in love with and learned the science of scene work. So I'm just I'm just following the rules of the science, which is much less attractive on the one hand. <laughs> right. But it satisfies me artistically. But, and that's the thing though, is that especially where you and I perform at the West Side Comedy Theater in Santa Monica, California, <laughs> that theater is home to a lot of people that don't want to be professional performers. And they're drawn to the community because it's lovely, mm-hmm. but to those qualities and those tenements of what you're speaking about, the improvisation. But then they go up there and they do terrible shows. Right. I mean, that's part of growth, right? Right. And it's... I hear people say this all the time, like, oh, I use improv in my life all the time. And I think to myself, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't. Um, I mean, I I don't know. I guess I'm being too harsh, but I I just don't, I just don't see the translation occurring a lot onto, Mm. onto the stage. And maybe that's just time. Because, yeah. because because I, here's something I've never, I haven't even spoken about really and just uh, sort of talking like I'm I'm a good improviser but you know what I know a lot of people who are better than me and I mean that legitimately and these people are genuinely funny and smart and like it's incredible so what they're doing they were that funny in level one right right there were some people that are just that good and the rest of us are just taking classes in hopes of maybe one day getting to that point. But I know where I stand in mm-hmm. among those people. I know I can hold myself in a two-person scene at the Kennedy Center. You know what I mean? I'll be fine. But I can name three people right now who would go out there and one line destroy. You know? Yeah. And I, I've always felt that separation. And so at the theater, because a lot of people only know the West Side. Not, there's not a lot of people who go out that yeah. much to see other shows. Um, People are very nice to me and I have some good shows there, but like, I mean, there are just people who are great at it just because they're great. And that's a weird, that's weird for me. Because it just suits them, the way that their brain works. Yeah. 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 That's like, okay, this is all very interesting because yeah, in my pursuit of like, do I quit improv or do I keep trying to like attain that level of like freedom that I'm like after (laughs) and maybe improv isn't the place to do it because yeah like lately I've started to be like I just don't think I'm ever going to be like as good at improv as I want to be and maybe uh-huh. everyone feels that way I, I think so know. I think so but so like that's just like an interesting concept yep to begin with yep. of like yeah like maybe we just always are going to be searching for some but maybe it doesn't live there like well I think what <laughs> needs to happen for me at least and I've been a coward in this pursuit is to You've taken the classes, you've been perform, performing for a couple of years, so you know, you know what to do. Um, now you got to ask yourself, like, what turns you on? Mm-hmm. What really excites you? Yeah. And do that show. Right. And that probably won't be found on a house team where right. a theater assembles players, which is a beautiful endeavor into itself, right? That's great. But, like, where you're going to find, where you're going to be fully satisfied is that, weird little show at 1130 that you do with two friends. Right. Right. That's where you start finding like 
that do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that's and that's where I have found but but here's what's interesting. That's where I have found a lot of joy and like really feel like an artist, which I rarely say that about myself, but I feel like an artist. That probably also happens to be the most the most uncommercially viable mm-hmm. thing I can do. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to the Tesla, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So when I walk into that audition for a co-star at CBS, no one gives a shit that one time at 11.33 p.m. in Santa Monica, I made great art. And I wrestle with that daily. Wow. Daily. Because I know what's inside of me. I know what gets me going. And yet I'm too afraid because what I need to do, I'm just kind of free flowing here, but I think what I need to do is not do that show at 11.30. I need to do that show at 8 p.m. where I invite everybody and I put it on a different stage and I say, this is my voice. But like I said, I've been a coward in that. But do you feel like you can harness that to, do you feel like you can harness that 3, 11.30 p.m. energy and vibe and artistry any time? Or do you feel like there's something about it being like yeah. why don't like you do plenty of shows at yeah PM. well there i mean one thing would be the people i'm playing with right. and the rules that we're playing by tonight i have my show nobody on my team wants to do the the dark chris show <laughs> right and so that's so i play by those rules right. then i have a couple two-person teams where i can start to do that stuff i what i think i need to do is just do that one man show but no, first of all, even saying that out loud makes me want to roll my eyes. I'm dying to see your one-man improv show, to be honest. It's something I've thought of more than once and thought, I wish I hadn't missed that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one-man show, dying to see it, another it's, one. It, sound, it sounds better than <laughs> it looks, to be honest. But, but it's interesting. That's why. Yeah. That you don't see it. And that's yeah. why I think I get bored of improv because I'm seeing the same thing over oh. and over. So when I saw my first clowning show, I was like on the edge of my seat yeah. being like, what the hell is yes. this? Yes. Also, how did it start randomly raining in the middle of the show and they incorporated that yes. into the show yes. and like it never rains yes. about it? Like where it felt like electric and like magical. And like, is that enough? Is that performance and that moment enough? Or... Are we all, or a lot of us, trying to parlay those moments into something that's commercially viable? And I feel like that's where a lot of people live. That's where I live. And I'm torn that way. But now I'm wondering, like, can that be commercially viable? You know what I mean? Like, are those two things, like, mutually exclusive? Like, great art and, like, in the moment well, magic I mean, the masses? Well, and, I, think, and- I think commercially viable is different now, right? Like, it's not just Big Bang Theory. There, there's Fleabag yeah. and, you know, those type of shows. And I mean, there's some really good stuff out there that I go, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know. It's, this is a lot, right? This is mm-hmm. a lot. The com- being commercially viable, being bookable, keeping my, you know, doing my art. All, all, all that is in my head all the time, all the time. And I feel like other other people have this like laser focus. Like they know what they want to do and they go after it. And me, I feel like I'm torn and pulled. And some of the biggest laughs I'll get in 2019 will be some of my worst moments per- artistically. Mm-hmm. And like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think it's because I'm too afraid to ask myself truly, truly what it is I want to be when I grow up. Mm-hmm. For realsies. Yeah. 
Not like, okay, yeah, TV or whatever. Like I've done that and I've never enjoyed those moments. Yeah. And yet I still, that's my daily pursuit is going after those things I know I won't enjoy. But that phone call from your manager who says, you got it? Those 30 seconds, <laughs> priceless. It's hard. It's hard. It's like a bad type of addiction. <laughs> I, I know, like. I know. <laughs> when Just when you describe it that way, I'm like, oh, those 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The high is so I'll good. Be a little validation. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, it just feels nice. They pat you on their head, on your head and they say like, all right, letting you in. But maybe you can't, like, maybe it's like literally impossible for you to go, like, be successful in that way because you don't want it. Like maybe that, maybe not wanting it makes it impossible. I think my, like my cynical rebuttal to that would be like, what, like, Okay, fine. Then let me be unhappy booking all these things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of people do something they don't want to do. The person, you know, I don't know, they're terrible jobs. And yet they got that job. So what if I'm not supposed to be doing this? But so what? In the meantime, I can't just get, I can't book it. I mean, that's, I know I'm being because a baby. What if you it. like, I just think of, there's so many stories, like classic story, right? Of like. The person has the job that they thought that they wanted. They get it when they're 22. Yes. They're in it. They have a wife, a kid. A, it's a man, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the car that they want, the house that they want. They're miserable. They turn to, like, just bottles and bottles of antidepressants. They cheat on their spouse. They, like, do go down this, like, shit road because they don't know how to get out of it because they're, like, in this situation. Like, it happen, it'll happen for everyone no matter what. You know what I mean? Like yeah, if they're I do. not if people aren't living supposedly. But the, but it feels like I totally hear you. But if that feels a little like if everybody on planet Earth was doing what they were supposed to be doing, whatever that means. Yeah. Would we even have like school whether would we have food? No. I mean I mean, do you know what I mean? Like would there, would we have car washes? Would, and car so, washes. and so like, I guess there's also this thing to me of like, it sounds to me like, it's, I like, it sounds attractive to me to like, say, be on a show, make a de decent living, doing yeah. what I like to do. Maybe I, maybe I don't love that medium. Yeah. And then I get to go do see, my, yeah. do my stuff. 11, 13 p.m. Yeah. Show. And I guess, I guess, and, but also I'm, I'm not fully sold on, on that idea of what I just said. I just kind of, I'm like, making a case for it. Yeah. But I think I'm really shocked that I'm not more successful than I am. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess everyone's like, oh, like, people think they should be famous or whatever, but I'm just <laughs> shocked that I'm not a little more successful. Yeah. And part of me wants to keep fighting until I am, mm -hmm. whatever that means. And it might be a fool's yeah. errand or whatever that, that term is. But it's like, really? Really? I can't be on that. I don't know, some digital platform show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just on seven episodes out of 14. You can be that guy. I'm that bad. That's shocking. That's shocking. Granted, I just did four months of an off-Broadway show. Yeah. Like, I know I'm, I have done some stuff. But right. I just like, I don't want to leave yet because I feel like that's crazy. Surely, surely someone's going to go, wait, who's that guy? 
Like, oh, this is Chris Alvarado. How long has he been around? He's been doing comedy for over 20 years. 20 years? This guy's great. Let's get him in here. No one knows who he is? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio status, but I'm saying like, <laughs> I can't do a thing. Mm-hmm. But then even if I want that, how do I achieve that goal? By, I think it comes back down to this. It's like, I don't know that I get that by doing the status quo. By showing up and delivering C minus auditions for C minus projects, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like you spark that interest in the people by doing the thing you love the most. Yeah. But now we're back at eleven thirty three p.m. at the Santa Monica, in Santa Monica. <laughs> <laughs> Fix this it, for me. <laughs> it always comes back to eleven thirty three p.m. at Santa Monica, <laughs> 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 comedy theater. <laughs> Maybe I should just invite a bunch of casting directors to the Santa Monica. That should show be the side. name of like whatever show you decide. Eleven thirty three p.m. but yeah because it's like I don't know I just think and I know you said like teaching and performing is different when you're teaching you like get into that zone Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that place and it's like that's really it's really obvious like and everyone at the theater wants to be taught by you Mm -hmm. which is very nice you know so it's like when you are in that zone in that way even if it's not being famous and glamorous Like, it is getting the attention and the recognition that you would want from that. I I agree. And I've done corporate stuff on my own. Mm -hmm. And that's also really fulfilling. Yeah. That does feel nice. So maybe you're an improv teacher. I know. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Bang! (laughs) I'm going to name that the title of the episode. Chris Alvarado, improv teacher. (laughs) I mean... That's what I do more than anything. <laughs> I teach more than I perform and more than I act. It's not glamorous, but it's so valuable, I think. I love it. I really do love it. I really, really do love it. And I'm always shocked that I was never taught by anybody like me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had some great teachers. I've had some great teachers and some people who have really gotten through to me. But on all. I don't know. I feel. I don't know. Yeah, no. I feel very lucky. Like, well, that's, okay. But 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 you know how earlier I was saying like I know a million improvisers who are better than me, right? Like I re- genuinely, yeah. I genuinely do. I really do feel like I'm one of the best teachers <laughs> in the world. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I say that. Thank you. And I say that because I'm like in this in that flow state everyone talks about, right? Yeah. We want to. I am fully in there yeah. with no agenda just encouragement and like figuring problems out together. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, I, I think, you know, it's like, you know, our team, like after we had, you know, it was like amazing. And it was an amazing just as to be in a scene and be like, Oh, this is what a scene is supposed to feel like. And also to watch my team members who I see be in scenes all the time and they have plenty of good scenes, but like everyone dropped in in a way that I've literally never seen before where it's like every single scene you know a lot of times we had to start over or whatever yeah being side coached and stuff but it's like then we like found something that we've never found before I mean there was a series of scenes that you guys did on the way out like bang 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 Mm -hmm. bang all those scenes were significant and funny and, and emotional and gorgeous all of them yeah in all different ways yeah but like I'm good at that I wonder I wonder how good I am long term i mean i coached a team at the west side consenting yeah. adults for i think like two years maybe and like 
towards the end, though, I just became their director. Right. Not like a coach so much. They know what they're doing. They've yeah. heard me say that. I'm really good at a one-off. Like a one or a two rehearsal. Yeah. I'm really good at that. I can come in and like, wow. But after a while, you'd be hearing me say the same thing over and over. Do you know what I mean? You just have to go from team Wh- to team. Which I kind of do. You should just charge $1,000 <laughs> per rehearsal. Just do one. <laughs> One-offs only. <laughs> Yeah, all right. There, there. <laughs> then I'll get that Tesla. <laughs> I'm sure there's like a contest you can win to like enter. <laughs> to enter want, to win. I don't actually want a Tesla. It's just a symbol to me. There's just so many of those on the road. And I look over, I go, wow, you're doing great in your life. How did that happen? Anyway, Teslas. <laughs> Gosh. And you said to me, you also said to me something that I just keep thinking about where you're like, it's time for you to stop doing your impression of what you think improv is or something like that. That's and right. I was like, it's one of those things where you just go like, yeah, that applies to every, like maybe it doesn't translate the things I'm learning in improv necessarily sure. easily to life, but I see the way that they're playing out in my life. I see every note that I get. I'm like, oh, I do that in every situation. Gotcha. Gotcha. But for you specifically, I said that. I tend to use that, uh, I say that a lot in general, like Mm -hmm. don't do your impression of an improv scene because everyone looks, it's all boring, right? But for you specifically, because like I told you, I read your stuff, I listen to your stuff, I follow you, I see you developing this voice, or you have a voice, but like you've cultivated this Mm -hmm. voice that like is a shame not to use on stage, is a fucking shame. Because to me, the idea of of improvisation isn't, can you make up a character that's never existed before with a point of view that's never been said before and ideas that have never been heard in the history of the world? I want to hear specifics from your life mm-hmm. and from the things you've learned. Mm-hmm. So if someone is shitty to you in an improv scene that you go, this is shitty. Mm-hmm. Your character can say that. I don't give a fuck. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? I don't mean like, I don't mean that you yourself are being attacked, yeah. but just that you bring what you know yeah. onto that stage. That's where that voice comes out. That's where you start finding out who you are. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Like, oh, fuck. Okay. You and, feel- uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, please. Well, I was just going to say, it seems like that's where it would, like, start to get fun. <laughs> that's where it would be fun. <laughs> so I feel like that's the other thing where I'm, like, I'm watching improv and I'm, like, this seems fun. Like, everyone seems like they're having a lot of fun. And then I do improv and I'm, like, this is awful. Like, <laughs> well, first this. of all, a lot of people, <laughs> I coach and teach enough to know that most yeah. people are saying it's it's awful. Why do we keep doing it? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because like you said, those those things at the, at the very beginning, like yeah. those qualities, right. those values. But I think that's so important for you specifically is like you're not like this. I'm, I keep saying you specifically, but because you've done the classes, you've done the shows. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason for you to like be nervous on stage. Right. You know, you know what you're doing. So now... Fuck the, that fucking preschool bullshit. I don't know. It's like, I, I'm saying, I, I can see this like thin material. Mm-hmm. Instead, bring that fucking power. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying shout in every scene or whatever, but certainly be strong. Or when you're weak, let's see that fucking vulnerability. Yeah. Which you're so good at. You're so good at being vulnerable. That's where your growth comes from. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> from what I'm observing. Yeah. Let's see that moment. Yeah. Now, but this, here's an issue though, is that like, again, is this the team where that happens? Right. And it kind of goes back to what you were asking me about my, like the way I play. Yeah. It would 
probably benefit you to do a show with other like-minded people. Right. Who like, you, right? You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. someone else is like, I'm just trying to do a McDonald's scene and Sarah's yeah. crying. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so there's, there's that. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I haven't really found my um, specific kind of people that I feel really good doing improv with yeah. at the theater. I mean, I really loved Charles II, although I still don't know if I was, I don't know that I was being like that kind of vulnerable self, but we had a lot of fun together. Great. And that was like Great. new for yes, me. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then with McAllister, it's interesting because I feel like we, I feel like we kind of all want the same thing, but no one says it. Uh. But then every once in a while we'll have like a coach like you come in and we'll be like, yay, yeah, yeah, that, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I think we're like, we want something, but it's hard to like, be, I guess in some ways we kind of have to be quote unquote commercial in the sense that like we were a team put together by other people. We sort of have to like meet certain expectations. It doesn't necessarily always feel super safe to be like really risky. We don't yeah. always have that space. I hear that. I hear that. Um, which maybe isn't really an excuse, but I think in some people's minds, because people are often like talking about getting cut and, and stuff like that. So even though I don't really care about that, because I'm like, I might quit tomorrow. Sure, sure. <laughs> but uh, but I know that that circulates in like the house team in general but, kind of world. But yeah, okay. But then look at the work that produces. Yeah. When you're playing from a fear-based position, right? Right. And all of you guys individually on McAllister, I know you all, everyone there has experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is no one's like first time doing improv. Right. So I think it would be beneficial to have that conversation, define the play, what it is you want to do, and then you all run that same play mm-hmm. as a unit. And I think that'll like level you up. Because like I told consenting adults, how about just be the best team? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, uh, you can just choose to do that as well. Interesting, yeah. You just you just can. Yeah. There's nothing, and best is like kind of like, why don't sh- you just choose to be the best sitcom star? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do sitcoms. I just want to do my late shows. <laughs> yeah. Well, I certainly, I, I will say that I am guilty of not taking a lot of the stuff I teach and like using, <laughs> using it on it. myself. Yeah. 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 And sometimes I ask you guys to do like impossible things that later on I'll think in my car like, shit, that would be scary if I had to be up on stage <laughs> and do the things I just asked them to do. But but then you guys do it, yeah. and it's like that's where the magic yeah. that's where the magic lies. It's easier to see it with with other people. I think it's easier to, and it's easier to know that other people have what it takes to do something scary uh, because yeah. you're obviously are not blocked by all the fear. Sure. <laughs> sure. But it's helpful because then you're like, okay, well that guy's saying I can do this. Yeah, thing, so that's what I think, and I crazy man and I fully believe it. Her. Maybe I am crazy. You know what I mean? I fully believe it. So then I feel like everyone knows that I'm not lying. And uh, all right, let's just do this together then. Let's go. And what what I found in all my coaching is that when we swing that high, when I ask you guys to literally levitate, so you might not ever leave the ground, but like it's going to be beautiful to watch you try. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that maybe for a moment you believe you can, and you can't. But what if you just could believe you could for Mm -hmm. a second and then everyone is doing that, then you go, that's worth watching mm-hmm. you know worth watching is an interesting way to put it because mm-hmm. a lot of stuff isn't worth watching and maybe yeah. i'm getting old and tired you've seen a lot <laughs> it's just like i don't have the time yeah i don't have the time i remember one of the teams i was coaching 
this guy started a scene and I stopped him. I go, all right, start over. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, set the scene over. He's like, you didn't let me finish. I go, no, I know how the scene's <laughs> going to go. And I don't want to see the scene. He got really upset. So I go, go ahead, go, do it. Do the scene then. Of course, now he's like at a disadvantage because like I've been negative, you know? Yeah. And he did the scene and it was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe because I was <laughs> shitty with him. But I, then at the end, I was like, I, I knew this. I knew you were going to do that. Yeah. And that's boring, you know? That doesn't make me a very nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep like, I'm like, yeah, how does that apply to life? Like, what if everything you did, you just don't do it if it's going to be boring? <laughs> Yeah, like, right. I don't know. Or like I always like I say like make me care. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I want to give a shit. Yeah. But then there are people, um, like Jay Suko, he and I have like publicly conflicting views yeah. on the conversation. And one of his catchphrases is like bore me. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's that is what's kind of <laughs> Yeah. That is what's nice about this art form, is like there's so there's, many ways yeah. you can do it. I just know Mine's the best. <laughs> Can you imagine in one 23-minute set, I almost, as an audience member, I'm almost on the verge of tears. I, uh, in this one scene, I'm laughing so much at this one. I'm scared in this one. I fall in love in this one. Why is it that I never see lovely scenes? Mm-hmm. A scene that's lovely. A little little Wes Anderson-y, if you will, or just, you know, something delicate and nice. And then the next one, it's guts and blood. The next one, you know, I never get to see that show. It's just like, hey, we're going to do mediocre stuff for this. This is mean of me to say, huh? But maybe it is. <laughs> I keep having a flash to um, a scene that I always remember from a Bear Supply show mm. where, you know, so they have music and they played, they just played a game of musical chairs on stage. It just started and kind of like naturally yeah. happened and they really played it. Yeah. They like really played the game and I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> but it is because you see that they're really doing it. And how many scenes could there be where people are fake playing musical yeah, chairs? Yeah, right, right, you right, right. You never want to watch people fake playing no, musical chairs. No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> but you would never really play it because it takes a lot of guts to really play it. Because you think, why Why are we playing this? Yeah. We're supposed to be doing an improv show. Yeah, but see, that's the, <laughs> therein lies. That's it. That's, that's, that's the trick. Yeah. That's the trick. You go fuck it, I'm doing this. And everyone's like, that's not allowed. And you go like, that's why you're going to love it. Yeah. I mean, I really don't do, even tonight with the show, I've been referencing a few times, even though it won't be the Dark Chris show, I'm not going to color in the lines. I'm going to make moves. Yeah. You know, like, and that is a good thing about being on a team of people that you love, pardon me, is that like, they will catch me if I fall. Yeah. I can take that risk and they're there for me. And that's nice. On that note, I had, remember like in my, I think it was like my level five show or something. It was like, I was like a class of people that I like, mm, didn't love all of them and whatever. And I, right before we went on, I was like, I'm going to trust all my teammates. And we had a great show. Or, and I feel like I did. Yeah. And it was like literally just from being like, I trust them. Yeah. Instead of being like, I don't trust them. Yeah. It changed everything, I feel like. I think that's something, I just read this the other day, I've, uh, you can like parlay that into life, is like, just just being more positive with people. <laughs> yeah. I know that sounds so simple, but like, how about instead of rolling your eyes, you just mm-hmm. don't. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that's, that. yeah. that's an option? Yeah. 
<laughs> like you, you trusted them, even though they may have failed you. Uh, I mean, that wasn't that there is a possibility of somebody like dropping the ball on something, or right. but you, but you made that was your intention to trust. So I think that in my daily life, I do try to do that. Like, okay, he may be shitty, mm-hmm. but I don't need to also be shitty. Mm-hmm. That's hard though. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. being shitty feels good. <laughs> <laughs> do we have more I feel like I could like simultaneously like stop talking about it forever and keep or talking just, about or just it keep forever. going on let's see let's, let's think could of we solve all of your problems or we solve all of my problems <laughs> that's, that's right let's think of one wrap up to, a, a small wrap up topic oh <laughs> just quickly or not even a topic how about like a question mm. how about this what do you think you've learned mm. from this discussion? And I'll answer, oh. I'll answer the same question. I don't know the answer yet. Either. <laughs> either. I think, well, I don't know. One thing that really stuck stuck with me is just the, I just maybe because it's something I've been thinking about lately, is just the ideas of like what we want versus like what we really want. The ideas of things being like, oh, I want that. And being like, why? Like, to hear you talk about it, it, teaching improv and how alive it makes you feel and that it, feel, it makes you feel like you're levitating, like, and then to compare that with, like, these stupid TV shows that you, like, for some reason want to get on because of something, which we didn't dive into, sure. really, like, your whole psychology sure, about, like, sure. <laughs> why and what it means to you and all these things. But I think it's just, like, I don't know. I think that whole thing is just, like, fascinating. It is fascinating. That's kind of what I learned as well. Like, when you said you don't think everybody wants that oh, whatever yeah, that is the thing that you want yeah like that was kind of shocking to me <laughs> that is great i remember the first time that i like thought that where i was like oh because i think someone yeah someone said they didn't want the thing that i wanted and i was like oh i thought i was so silly and stupid for wanting this yeah but you don't even want it so i should be able to have it that's wild or something like no yeah. i hear you i hear you just the idea that maybe not everybody is against me or racing me or <laughs> yeah. battling me. Like, yeah. I never really considered that until this conversation. <laughs> wow. Like, huh. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Thank you also. <laughs> this was great. Awesome. When I listen back, what sticks out to me the most about the conversation is the way Chris describes how he feels when he's teaching improv in contrast to how he feels following this traditional acting dream. One feels alive and lush and dynamic, and the other feels dry and dusty and dead. And yet, he continues down the dry and dusty path. Why? We didn't get into it, really, but I think this experience of going after something we think we want, that we think we should be able to get, that seems almost in reach but isn't even that enticing, is extremely common and familiar. And the image is especially potent in comparison with the feeling of aliveness he describes when talking about teaching improv, or that 11.33 p.m. show at a small theater in an alley in Santa Monica. What I come away with is this. We don't choose what we love. We don't choose who we are at our core. This is in some ways baffling. We get to choose a lot of things in life, but this does not seem to be one of them. What draws our attention, what we find beautiful, what we're good at, what we care about enough to get good at. Chris says that he wonders what his life would be like if he had spent the last 20 years studying anything other than improv. But could he have? He loves improv. Improv makes him feel like he's levitating. That doesn't feel like an accident to me. It doesn't feel like just one of many roads he could have gone down. 
Or maybe it's the feeling of understanding something deeply that makes him feel like he's levitating. Maybe improv is only the delivery mechanism for that, or for something else. Maybe it could have been anything. I don't really understand how life works, but I love philosophizing about it, obviously. I love that it doesn't make sense. I love that it's unpredictable and that we're free-falling constantly in directions we never meant to go in, finding ourselves in places we never expected to be, and being delightfully or horrifyingly surprised by the things we ultimately love. Chris says he knows the areas in which he's not being courageous enough. He says he needs to be honest with himself about what he really actually wants to be when he grows up. He reminds me to really pay attention to the things that bring me alive and to follow those, no matter how seemingly small or insignificant. I think it's often easy to overlook those things because they're so natural to us or we don't put a high value on them because they don't match the ideas of things we think should bring us alive. They don't match the way we thought our life would look. It reminds me to pay attention to where I'm holding back out of fear, where I'm not being honest with myself because I don't want to have to be courageous. Thank you so much as always for listening. And if you like the podcast, please leave me a rating and review and subscribe so that episodes come straight to your feed.